Now I'll continue note. with uh, our preparations for Shavuos in our uh, morning slot over here, and we are doing a selection from the Maharal and uh, Kabbalah Satoira from Tiferes Yisrael, Perik Chavav, the 26th Perik over here, and the discussion the Maharal has in this Perik is why the Torah was given in a desert. Let's remind ourselves of what we've seen so far. The Mar- so far we saw two installments of this, we're working our way through this chapter. Maharal established the Torah is given in a desert because the Torah is... Uh, coming <clears throat> from a place which is beyond existence, outside of existence, and, and really distant from existence as, as far as you can get, and that's why we give the turn to desert. The, ter- the, the, the desert is the very opposite of existence. Existence goes together with life, thriving, fertile ground, and the desert is, is the abject lack of all that. That was the first idea that he was sharing with us, another idea. He quoted this Chazal that said, the Torah is given with three mediums. Midbar, Eish, and Maim. That's what we're in the middle of. The second idea that the Maharal is developing here. Chazal tells the Torah is given with the medium of Midbar in the desert, via Eish, that's the, the um, fire, the thunder, and lightning. And Maim, the Torah is given through water also, Yarev Kamater Likhi, the Pasik says, let my teachings drip like rain, let them glisten like dew. And that's what the Maral is currently uh, explaining to us. What does it mean that the Torah is given through these three mediums? Medium of um, desert, medium of fire, medium of water. And what we saw last time is the Maral established an idea which was a delicate idea, an idea that required digesting. And that idea was, as Maral said, the Torah is not Messiacheses Ela Adam. The Torah is not. Something that relates directly to mankind is not inherently linked to, to man, to humanity. And, and what, as we explained, like, what's that supposed to mean? That sounds like the very opposite of what we're used to Torah being. We saw last time we developed and explored that idea. And what we discovered was Torah is fundamentally different than every other system of law, every other system of ordinance and governance. And that every other system of law starts with humanity first, starts with civilization, starts with people, with all of our quirks and our habits and our idiosyncrasies and all the, 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 the uh, social constructs that come together with uh, how society works. And now you've got you to run these people, you've got to govern these people, you've got to take care of these people in, in the best way possible based on how people work and function. So every system of law out there starts with society. And taking into account society, their needs and their functions, and their ins and outs and their their uh, strengths and weaknesses, so we have to figure out a system of law that's going to best work with them. That's every system of law outside the Torah. So the Torah does not take society and say, "How do we perfect society? How do we improve society? How do we allow society to thrive and develop?" The Torah got there first. Torah is there, and then society is there to fulfill the Torah. The Torah starts off by establishing its emiss, its truth. Torah starts off by establishing what Hakadosh um, Baruch is all about, revealing aspect of Hashem's wisdom, Hashem's existence, and then society is here to be able to fulfill the Torah. It's the exact opposite of every other system of law. Every other system of law against society gets there first. Now let's figure out how to govern them. They can't be lawless. Torah says, look, we want to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We want to reveal Hashem's wisdom, Hashem's oneness, Hashem's existence. So let's bring society in so they can be a part of that revelation. 
That's what the Maral means. The Torah is not misyacheses el adam. That the Torah is not built around people. People are built around the Torah. Not the Torah is there to figure out who people are and let's try to work with these people the best. Very profound idea. And based on that, the Maral is going to go further now and reconnect it to these three mediums: the medium of, of the desert, fire, and water. Let's now continue to see that insight. So we're on page Ayin Tess over here. The standard edition of the Sifrei Maharal, Tiferes Yisrael, Perik Esrim Vashisha, 26 Perik, left-hand column, and we are seven lines down at the period, on the left-hand column. Therefore, the Torah is given through these three mediums. All three mediums are hefker, are ownerless, no one can stake a claim to the desert, to the fire, to the water. They're out there. They're just waiting for you to grab it. It's not... This demonstrates, this concept of these three mediums are not inherently attached to any one particular person. Anything that is not inherently linked to any particular person is separated from that person and from humanity. As opposed to everything that I can stake a claim on, everything that I can declare as my own, my homestead, my car, my possessions, my kids, anything that I can plant a flag in and say, this is mine, this is property of me, that is linked to me, attached to me, something that is, Stan is trying to stake a claim in Rabbi Aronson, I see. Something that is ownerless, therefore the grabbing is not linked to anyone, is not attached to anyone, and that's the beginning of why the Torah is given through these three mediums, desert, fire, and water. Fire is, is, um, you want fire, you can find fire. Nobody has a monopoly on fire. Water. Water's there. You want water? Go. There's plenty of water to be found that no one can take away from you. Desert, barren, desolate areas are a plenty. Something that is not inherently linked to a particular person, tribe, or humanity in general. But why three of them? Why do we need three? Why do we need the desert and the fire and the water to be those mediums via which the Torah will be given? So the Maral explains. Let's see something very fascinating over here. Why Bezep. do you choose those three? Exactly. That's exactly what we're about to discover all together. The reason for this is there's three aspects to the Torah that are showing up in each of these three mediums. What are the three aspects to what the Torah is all about, what defines the Torah, what, what uh, defines our ability to have something to do with the Torah, even though it's not a product, it's not there to work around mankind, it's for, there for us to embrace. There's three aspects to it. Three aspects in what makes it removed from us what makes it removed from humanity? What makes it separate um, inherently and fundamentally? Let's see. One aspect of Torah, what makes Torah Torah, that makes it fundamentally separated out from us, and, and i.e. that got there first, is the reward that, that, that the Torah promises us, the, what, what, what we have lying in store for us when we fulfill the Torah, the schar. The ultimate reward, which we get for the ultimate um, ideal pursuit in life, which is Tamatayra. The benefits and the reward 
that the Rebbein Shalom awards us when we keep the Torah, who toiv aloki is godly, a godly, a godly reward, godly benefits. Ve'ena toiv tiv'i, it's not a natural benefit, it's not something that is the best passable life within nature, right? There's rewards that are the good life, the good life, the best life, but there's something called the good life and the best life down here. The good life and the best life in this, in, in, in uh, their belt. So what's the good life and the best life down here? I don't know. We were just discussing this morning owning acreage in uh, western Pennsylvania, right? So you can say, what's the good life? The good life is, well, I have, you know, several dozen acres of land somewhere in western Pennsylvania, and I have a private jet, and I have a private yacht, and I have a private yacht that has a landing strip for my private jet, and... Yeah, I have my own, my own. You know what I would think is the good life, Rabbi Sai, is uh, you own your own ice cream truck. <laughs> Imagine if you had your own ice cream truck. That's amazing, right? Ice cream on tap, on demand, whatever you want, whatever you want. So that's the, that's the concept of the good life. We can go on and on with all the riches and rewards down here. So that's the good life. That's tivi. There, there, there's such a thing as the good life that's tivi. But the reward for Torah is not Torah for tivi. It's not the good life that's down here. It is rather... Um, can you want to show Rib Mayer where uh, we're holding over your left hand column? Rabbi Leibowitz, Rabbi Leibowitz is a member emeritus of the Summerton community coil over here. Yeah, um, we're going through that, getting ready for Shuas over here, going through Perak and Kabbalah Satoyro. My Torah is given in the Midbar. In the midbar. So the reward for Torah, the schar for Talmud Torah is Toiva Loki. Asha Toiva Loki, who nivdam in Adam Lagamri, is something that is removed, removed from a person, distant and separate from a person. So here's that, that, that emphasis again. Again, the Maral, there's a delicate point over here, but a delicate point which we can't let escape our attention. Maral is, is, is emphasizing this idea again. Again, we have to have three different aspects not just three aspects of the Torah, but the three aspects of what makes the Torah inherently um, removed from, uh, 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 from, from humanity and mankind in their natural state. And that's the Midbar Asian Mime, that's the desert, the fire, and the water. And the reason we, we, we are giving the Torah in three different mediums is that we're, A, trying, we're finding three different mediums, each of which are something that nobody has, uh, no representative of mankind of humanity can lay a personal claim or stake to, things that are inherently removed, distant from humanity, and there's three different aspects in the removal from humanity to throw that, that, that represent three different aspects of how the Torah is inherently removed and separated from us. And again, what does it mean to be removed and separated from us? It means that the Torah is not something that was designed around us, was customized for us and our existence, it's fakir. The Torah got there first. We are designed around the Torah. Humanity was custom-tailored to be able to embody Torah. The world society works around the Torah. The Torah got there first. The Torah got there first. Um, and as we mentioned last week, let's mention it again this morning, it doesn't mean the Torah is a blueprint for the world. It does not mean that all. It means that HaKadosh Baruch has something called the Torah. The Torah is the closest you can get to Hashem's own essence. And Hashem wants this to be revealed. The best way to reveal that is to figure out a society, a system, a universe in which this can be revealed. But the universe is there, tailored and customized to the Torah. 
So the Torah in all aspects is something that is inherently removed from us, but we're able to have a connection and relationship with it nevertheless. Inherently removed from us because, again, the Torah gets there first, gets there first. Um, and we're able to overcome that distancing and have a relationship with the Torah nevertheless. So the first aspect, says the Maral, in what makes the Torah inherently separated out from mankind is the aspect of reward. The good life, i.e. the reward the Torah has to offer us, is a godly good life. Is, is something that is sickly, spiritual. That's the real reward. And that's something that is inherently removed, separated out from humanity. What does he mean by that? And we're talking about, obviously, the physical existence of humanity, the physical existence of mankind, where we primarily exist in, in, in our current states. And on a physical level, the... Icar reward of Torah is something that is not shaykh to, to physical existence. Let's explore that idea. What does it mean it's not shaykh? It's, it's inherently separated out from us, from the world of Gashmias. It means <clears throat> that really, really there's no way that, that uh, anyone that's physically uh, in a state of physical existence should be able to receive any reward from... Hashem himself, any spiritual reward, any spiritual um, fulfillment, fulfillment. The two are, are diametrically opposed to one another. When Hashem wants to give us a spiritual fulfillment, when Hashem wants to give us a um, spiritual benefit, which means having something to do with Hashem himself, clinging to Hashem himself, that really destroys the physical, that destroys us should destroy our existence, should be impossible in, for us in a physical state, which is, again, where we exist. We, the only reason that we're able to learn Torah, do mitzvahs, is because we are in a grand state, connected to the grand. But in that grand state, connected to the grand, Hashem wants to give us a, a kesher, shaykhis, with the shechin itself, that destroys, the, the shechin destroys the, the, the physical world. That was makas b'chayrus, just bring the shechin in, and that, 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 that means death, that kills Kills Mitzrayim. You just bring the Shechina in. That's Maharal's idea elsewhere. The Shechina just appearing in Mitzrayim kills Bechayrus, kills the Chamrius, the Chamor of Mitzrayim. Cannot coexist when the Shechina, ultimate spiritual and, and, and Seichel existence is there. So we should really not be able to have any type of, of um, benefit from Hashem, the ultimate good life, the ultimate benefit of the Torah. Even though Hashem created us to get that ultimate benefit. So that's, the fact that we really can't get any benefit inherently is the first of these three aspects of the Torah being inherently removed and separated out from us because we, in our physical existence, which is the bulk of where we live right now, uh, cannot, it's physically impossible and, and, and metaphysically impossible for us to get anything from Hashem because of that repulsion, because of that opposition that should destroy us. Hashem allows us to bridge that gap. That's the whole miracle of Hashem fusing a neshama to the guf. It begins with the fact that we have a neshama that's fused to the guf. Two opposites, again, that Hashem cements to each other. And when you have a neshama that's fused to your guf, making them into one composite, so the neshama can declare itself the, you know, the captain, the neshama can say, I'm the one in charge over here. And if the guf, by virtue of the fact, A, that it's cemented in the neshama, and B, that it can become subordinate, so it's served to the neshama, that allows the body, the physical, to benefit, to, to tap into, and to participate in the, in the beneficence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu because it's, it's, it's like kind of tagging along for the ride. 
But be'etzim, again, be'etzim, the schar, the real schar for Talmud Torah, which is bonding with Hashem, bonding with the, with the infinite, with, with, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with something that's godly, is something that doesn't really work naturally for us. We can bridge that gap through the miracle of the Nesham and the Guf being bonded together, but in a natural state, we're, we're, we, we, it's something that, that, should, that ought to destroy us. That's the first aspect of the Torah. The reward aspect, that's the first aspect of the Torah being something that is removed from mankind. The fact that the, the reward is something that doesn't really work for us. It shouldn't, according to the laws of nature, shouldn't work. So let's see the Mayoral pursue that idea now. He's going to develop that. That's going to be the first of three, the three aspects of, of the three mediums over here. Um... The same way, the reward that we get for Talmud for learning is this schar that is above the laws of nature, beyond the laws of nature. It's something that we, we have beneficence from HaKadosh Baruch We can bond with Hashem. Even our bodies can bond with Hashem, can have a relationship with the, with the infinite, with the ultimate existence, which is really, excuse me, in violation of the laws of nature. That really shouldn't work. That's the first of the three mediums of water, fire, and the desert. Mayim represents the schar, the schar aspects of the Torah. Mayim, again, Mayim is something that represents a medium that nobody can lay a claim to, nobody can have any personal attachment to. And it's that aspect, and that's why the Torah is given through Mayim, and it's that aspect of the Torah, the schar, the schar component. The fact the reward is something that is inherently removed from us, but we're allowed to tap into it nevertheless. How do you see the Torah is given through water? This is the Medrash quote. It says, Let my teachings drip like rain. Let them glisten like dewdrops. The Torah says, Moshe Rabbeinu. Mother is the... Is the um, the idea that that, that that symbolizes and represents Chaim life, the same way water is a source of life. Without water, there's no life, right? Science backs that up. Science is not aware of life that can exist without water. Chazal is spelling that out. Ma mother Chaim water is the key to life. Chaim um, Torah as well is is. Um, the ultimate life, that's the ultimate reward. That's why, you know, they're always so excited about finding water. They're always looking for water on the moon, water on Mars. Hey, if there's water on the moon, water on Mars, maybe there's life there. What kind of life? You know, microbiotic, microorganism life. And, and, and um, you know, governments are prepared to spend billions of dollars to find a little bit of water so they can find a little bit of life. It's a pellet because you can spend a lot less money and find life over here too, right? Intelligent life? I don't know. But, but you're not going to find life that's more intelligent on the moon than you're going to find here on planet Earth. But okay, you know they didn't they didn't ask us they didn't ask us how they should allocate the budget, right? But uh, al kopanim, yeah. So mayim is, is is impossible to have mayim life without mayim. That's the tavater chaim lo'olam. Torah is something that provides the ultimate life. That's the the, the, the after the life and the afterlife, the good life. And um Torah, conferring life, we're not talking about natural life, we're not talking about life, the good life down here, which the body does naturally jive with and, and uh, work with. We're talking about the Torah's life, which is 
beneficence of binding with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the ultimate reward that we can't even fathom, something we can't even fathom, we have no frame of reference, we can't understand it, but it's the, it's the good life and the ultimate fulfillment of our spiritual component being at one with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is Kuloi Ruchni, and the body being able to go along for the right, the body being able to enjoy that as well, our body, our shtick Gashmi, our physical existence being able to go along for the right, that is one aspect of the Torah which is removed from humanity, removed from the physicality, removed from the laws of nature, and that's the first of the three mediums, that's water. Mind representing life, representing reward, representing the afterlife, the good life. That's why the Torah has to be given through mind. We have two more that have to be discussed now, Eish and Midbar. Okay, so that's, that's in terms of the positive. The reward that, and the good life that awaits us in the afterlife is something that's removed from natural life. The punishment, as well, is the same thing. The einish of someone who is over Divrei Torah, who transgresses Divrei Torah, who does not fulfill the Torah, the same way the reward is above and beyond the laws of nature, the punishment is also not within the laws of nature. Um, it's also something that's not within the laws of nature, not something that is a natural punishment to our physical existence, not like physical torture, physical death, physical suffering, the real punishment. It is, again, godly. It's something spiritual, it's something that's reserved for the matters of the spiritual component of us, it's removed and separated out from our natural existence. The real rewards for transgressing Divrei Torah are above and beyond the laws of nature, are not within the laws of nature, and are not something that are, are not just natural calamities that are within within Teva, within this existence. In other words, the real punishments are not bad things happening. <clears throat> that is, that is, uh, you know, perhaps <clears throat> we've seen Hashem can sometimes give us a gift to allow suffering down here to um, make up. For, for something that's on the record. But if someone deserves a real punishment, the, so the real punishments are in, 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 a, in, a, in a realm that's beyond and removed from the laws of Teva. And, 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 and that's because, again, the Torah is, is um, coming from a place that's beyond Teva. The Torah is coming from a place that's remu- removed from, from this world in, inherently. And the same way the reward, therefore, has to be removed from from, from a place that's, that's associated with physicality, so too the punishment really has to be in the same place. That's the second medium that the Torah is given through, is Eish represents the punishments, the fire, the harsh, brutal um, pain of a punishment, of consequence. It says that HaKosh Baruch is Eish Oichla, HaKosh Baruch is an all-consuming fire. The context of the Pesach is talking about you know, take a thing Hakosh Baruch seriously. It's it's mentioned that um, um, in Chanan, when we have the Torah, Kabbalah's Torah given over again, um, Moshe's complaint to Hakosh Baruch over there that it's too scary, too fearsome for the for for, for the Yidden, well, the Kailas and the Brachim, the fire descending on the mountain, and and it's it's more or less explicit over there that Hakosh um, Baruch uh, um kind of. Uh, Frames things for Moshe Rabbeinu by saying, "Yes, it's true. It's it's scary, but but this this way, the Torah is going to be founded for Klai Yisrael on a on a foundation of Yirah Shemaim. 
They're going to have hero. The Pasuk says over there. So the Eish, the spectacle of the Torah being given with, with, with the fire, the, the, the mountain of flame, is there to establish that Akash really means what he says. And he says what he means. This stuff is serious. It's there for hero. Hashem el Eish It represents the fact that, that Hashem does meet out consequences. And those consequences are meted out in a way, that, again, that's above and beyond the laws of nature. So it's a scary thing, you know. Um, the same way, this is, this, is a, this is a place for us to establish solid years Shemayim. Really, the same way we always build ourselves up by saying, we're so excited when we do mitzvahs, we're so excited when we learn Torah, because we have schar waiting for us, reward waiting for us in, in Olam Haba. And, and we, we tell this to ourselves, we tell this to our kids, that we have no idea how Geshmak it's going to be, Basking in, in the in the the oraganos, basking in the the ziv hashchina, the radiance of the shchina, the divine presence. We have no idea how that's going to be amazing and so geshmak and so zis. It's something that's you know spiritual, and, and the guf will be able to enjoy that. Also, we always do build ourselves up and and, and our children as well, and it's important to do that. But the opposite is also true, and we have to be able to tap into the opposite idea for yirashamayim when we have to you know. Reinforce ourselves in, in the Melchemes HaYetzer, against the Yetzer Hara, to remind ourselves the same way, no amount of good life over here can compare to the good life of Olam Haba. No amount of, of enjoyment and Geshmak over here can compare to the enjoyments of bonding with the infinite. <laughs> no amount of suffering in this world can compare to the suffering, which is a spiritual suffering, in Gehenim as well. Necessarily, the suffering in the afterlife, a Yid who has to go to Gehenna, has to suffer there. The, 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 no amount of suffering over here can compare to that suffering as well. The, 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 the worst and, and most awful, horrific suffering that we can imagine in, in, in the world of the physical does not compare and cannot compare um, to, to suffering, the spiritual suffering, the suffering of the soul, which the Guf, yes, is also going to have to Accompany the same way the guf is privileged to accompany the, the the soothing of the soul and the serenity of the soul in the afterlife, the soul the the, the bodies has to accompany the suffering of the soul in Rahman al Islam purgatory in Gehenim. The same the same frame of reference has to be set up over there also to create Yirashamaim. And, and yeah, that's, it is an important thing to do to, for us to use in our Milchemes HaYetzer. Um, you know, Chazal tell us that you have to use these thoughts and ideas that you know, there, there is going to be a real consequence and real accounting and demanding of us made after 120, and we have to keep things in check. You know, there can be some... People can suffer seriously, Rachman al-Islam, in this world. It can be pain, torture can be very, very extreme, very difficult, but none of that compares, again, to the suffering of the soul. That's l'malam anateva, chutzman anateva, and it's, it's a, you know, um, equal and opposite to the idea of the benefit being removed from the laws of nature, and, and above and beyond the laws of nature, that's the medium of mayim. The medium of eish has to make the equal and opposite fundamental principle over here in establishing this idea that, in Torah that there's got to be a consequence. The reward is only meaningful when there's a consequence. The consequence is also above and beyond removed from the laws of nature. So that's Eish. So we have Maim, we have Eish. What about Midbar? The third medium through which the Torah has to be given, which is the third medium which is 
waiting for anyone to come grab it, which is removed from humanity, removed from 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 anyone's claims to it. That which the Torah was given in the desert, that is the nature of Torah itself. In other words, we have the two consequences. We have the reward on one side, we have the punishment on the other side, and that's Ashen Mayim. That balancing point in the middle of the Midbar is the nature and the existence of Torah itself. Torah is etzim nature. The laws of Torah, the ordinances of Torah, the wisdom of Torah, the teachings of Torah, the ideologies and values of Torah, that's the idea of the Midbar. Let's see. The, the, the nature and the existence of Torah itself. Kiyam mitzvah shabah, heyin dvarim sheinam tivim. Excuse me, the mitzvahs within the Torah. The principles within the Torah are again above and beyond the laws of nature. They're not linked to physicality. Like we said in the beginning. Now before we go on, again the Maharal is going to make that same idea, that same point that we that we that we established, which is which is as opposed to every other system and principle of ordinance and governance, as opposed to every other system out there, which is that We have to figure out how to run this group of people. We have to figure out how to how to um, how to deal with, with 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 society over here. We have to keep society functioning. So let's create a system of laws to govern society. That's the the founding fathers will get together, have the constitutional convention, and we'll put together a constitution to figure out how to govern society. And we go into that knowing society, their strengths, their weaknesses, their needs, how they can thrive best. I work with society. Every system of law always goes that way. The Torah is the other way around. The Torah's laws got their first, Torah's ordinances, values, outlooks, and ideologies got their first. They're coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It emerges from Hashem before there's, there's a universe, before there's a society, before there's a world down here, before there's humanity with their quirks and idiosyncrasies. The Torah is there first. And Torah emerges one microscopic and micro cosmic step outside of Hashem himself, the indivisible, unknowable Hashem. The Torah is one micro layer beyond that, and we want the Torah to be revealed. Okay, let's create a universe, which will be a place for the Torah to show up. But the Torah's system of laws and ideology is not like, let's figure out how to, how to govern people. Um, let's figure out how to, how, how to govern society. Even though... One could look at it that way and say, "Wow, the Torah, the Torah knows always. The Torah's system of law is the perfect system of law. It, it has such a good uh, feel, has such a good finger on the pulse. How the Torah governs, you know. When we say things like that, when we wax enthusiastic about how the Torah is so perfect, the Torah's system of judging, we have to be very careful because we sometimes, without realizing it, what we're really saying is that as best as the Constitution can govern, can govern people, and as best as this." system of law. And, and these rules, the Torah is even better th- th- making that comparative type of, 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 uh, of, of analysis is inherently incorrect. The Torah is not better. The Torah is fundamentally different. Of course the Torah is better, but the Torah is better only because the Torah is there first and society is there to work around the Torah. Society is there to fulfill the Torah. Now the Torah is there to help society function, to help society thrive, to help society work. Society is there to help the Torah work. Memelo. Um, the Torah has to be given the, the, the nature of Torah itself is removed from nature, is removed from humanity, and that's the third medium of the Midbar. So the Maral, you know, develops this a little bit. 
There are those who say that, oh, the Torah and all of its laws, forget about even governing people, the dietary restrictions. People will say, ah, the Torah has such wisdom. I understand the Torah says you're not allowed to eat fatty parts of the animal. You're not allowed to drink blood. We did research and we discovered that if you eat blood from animals, that's bad for you. You eat the fatty parts of the animal, that's bad for you. There's something bad about that. All the, all the creatures and the animals that Torah says you're not allowed to eat, there's something, something bad about that. It, it damages the body. Shellfish have a lot of mercury in them or, or, or hazard. There's something bad about hazard, what it does to your system. That's all, says the, says the Maral. That is, again, that might be true. And for sure, and for sure, when one keeps the Torah, no ill comes as a result. But to say that, like, wow, the Torah, look at the wisdom of the Torah and how it's... Uh, and how uh, it really is the best way of, of living, has everything figured out, that, that, that is false. That's a chroma outlook, and that's incorrect to start looking for all those areas, all the benefits of keeping the Torah, because, again, that it, it's, it's this attitude of society got here first, humanity got here first, people got here first with our bodies, and the Torah is telling us how best to take care of these bodies. It's fakir. Torah got there first, and we're given bodies as the best way of keeping the Torah. And Torah is unique. Torah is the only system like this. Says the Ram all the dietary restrictions in the Torah is not about us keeping ourselves healthy. Avada health will come as a result, but that's not the reason behind any of these restrictions. But it's the other way around. These restrictions are some aspect of Hashem's revealed Chachma, and all these Forbidden foods are put in the world for me to be able to fulfill that. And therefore the Torah is given in the desert. The third medium. The desert is a place that's inherently removed from life, from this world. This world's all about thriving in life, etc. Reproduction. Torah can't, can't be given in such a place as to be given a medium that's devoid of life, desolate and barren. To make it clear that the Torah is removed from life. The Torah got there before life. That was the Pshat. The first measure they brought down when the Torah is revealed, the, the ocean flees, the mountains flee. It's antithetical to creation. It opposes creation, creation when it's in its, in its Gashmi's form. Torah is not natural. It's not there to work within the laws of nature. It's not, it's not um, adhering. It's not... It's not um, um, being sensitive, so to speak, acknowledging the laws of nature, working best within the laws of nature, if I cared, it's before the laws of nature. There's not a system of natural laws. And therefore, it's also given to the other two mediums, water and fire. Being that the Torah is not a natural system of laws, like all other laws. As Naram Chazim is making the, the Maharal is making the wrap-up. Therefore, the reward is not a natural reward. Therefore, the, the punishments are also not natural punishments. They're above and removed from the laws of nature. The bottom line, says the Maharal, is that the three mediums, the Pshat that measures, the Torah is given through Midbar, Eshemayim, is the three mediums that are removed from nature, removed from physical existence. The etzim nature of Torah, that's the midbar, and the reward and the punishment, that's Ash and Mayim, Mayim and Ash, uh, are, are, are the, these three aspects of the Torah's being removed from nature. And that wraps up this paragraph. Mr. Shem will continue tomorrow with the next one.
Thank you for joining us.